And now I'm reading from both the fourth and the seventh chapters of the book of Esther. Hathak went and told Esther what Mordecai had said. Then Esther spoke to Hathak and gave him a message from Mordecai, saying, All the king's servants and the people of the king's provinces know that if any man or woman goes to the king inside the inner court without being called, there is but one law. All alike are to be put to death. Only if the king holds out the golden scepter to someone may that person live. I myself have not been called to come into the king for 30 days. When they told Mordecai what Esther had said, Mordecai told them to reply to Esther, Do not think that in the king's palace you will escape any more than all the other Jews. For if you keep silence at such a time as this, relief and deliverance will rise for the Jews from another quarter. But you and your father's family will perish. Who knows? Perhaps you have come to royal dignity for just such a time as this. Then Esther said in reply to Mordecai, Go, gather all the Jews to be found in Susa, and hold a fast on my behalf, and neither eat nor drink for three days, night or day. I and my maids will also fast as you do. After that, I will go to the king, though it is against the law, and if I perish, I perish. Mordecai then went away and did everything as Esther had ordered him. So the king and Haman went in to fast with queen, feast with Queen Esther. On the second day, as they were drinking wine, the king again said to Esther, What is your petition, Queen Esther? It shall be granted you. And what is your request? Even to the half of my kingdom it shall be fulfilled. Then Queen Esther answered, If I have won your favor, O king, and if it pleases the king, let my life be given me. That is my petition. And the lives of my people, that is my request. For we have been sold, I and my people, to be destroyed, to be killed, and to be annihilated. If we had been sold merely as slaves, men and women, I would have held my peace. But no enemy can compensate for this damage to the king. Then King Ahasuerus said to Queen Esther, Who is he and where is he who has presumed to do this? Esther said, A foe and enemy, this wicked Haman. Then Haman was terrified before the king and the queen. The king rose from the feast in wrath and went into the palace garden. But Haman stayed to beg his life from Queen Esther, for he saw that the king had determined to destroy him. When the king returned from the palace garden to the banquet hall, Haman had thrown himself on the couch where Esther was reclining, and the king said, Will he even assault the queen in my presence in my own house? As the words left the mouth of the king, they covered Haman's face. Then Harbona, one of the eunuchs in attendance on the king, said, Look! 
the very gallows that Haman has prepared for Mordecai, whose words saved the king, stands at Haman's house, 50 cubits high. And the king said, hang him on that. So they hanged Haman on the gallows that he had prepared for Mordecai. Then the anger of the king abated. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Have you ever been asked to do something that you knew you couldn't do? You determined that it was too hard, or you thought your skills were not enough to complete the task, or maybe it seemed to be too risky. Whatever the reason, you knew you couldn't do it, but you also knew you had to do it. That's Esther's story, friends. It's a story that our children will be learning in vacation Bible school this week. It's a great story of the Spirit's gift of courage, and one I think we need to hear together this morning. Esther's story starts in a very raucous party, King Ahasuerus planned for several of his buddies. And in the midst of all the raucous festivities, King Ahasuerus summoned his wife, Queen Vashti, and ordered her to dance for the guests, most of whom were men, and most of whom, in fact, all of whom, were drunk. Now, I want you to think about that scene for a minute. You know, if you were Vashti, would you want to dance for that crowd? Who could blame her for refusing? Well, apparently the king's advisors could and did because they were afraid that all of the other wives would rebel and not follow their husband's orders if Vashti was able to get away with refusing. So they demanded that she be punished, and King Ahasuerus banished her from the kingdom. <clears throat> not long after, he, round, excuse me, he rounded up all the beautiful women in Persia because, you know, he sort of needed to fill that empty place in his heart. So he rounded the beautiful women up so that they might audition for a place in his harem. Now, I'm going to leave it to your imagination to think about what that audition might involve. Now, Esther was among these beautiful women, and she made such an impression on King Ahasuerus that he not only invited her into the harem, he made her queen. Esther was a young Jewish woman who had been orphaned as a child and raised by her uncle Mordecai. And to keep an eye on Esther as she moved into the palace and sort of to know what was going on in her life, Mordecai stationed himself just outside the palace gate. As luck would have it, 
he happened to overhear two of the gatekeepers plotting to kill the king. So Mordecai wasted no time letting Ahasuerus know of this assassination plot, and for that, Mordecai's name was written in the king's book of people who had done great things for the king. The king's closest and dearest advisor was a really arrogant guy by the name of Haman, who spent most of his time strutting about here and there, expecting people to bow down before him. The only person who did not bow down before him was Uncle Mordecai. Haman screamed, why? Why did you not obey my command to bow down? And Mordecai said, because I'm a Jew. I only bow and kneel before God. was an answer that just infuriated Haman. And he immediately determined he was going to kill Mordecai. And not only Mordecai, but all the Jews. So he went to chat with King Ahasuerus and said to him, Look, there are people who don't obey your laws. So you just draw up an edict for their destruction, and I will pay the king's treasury 10,000 talents of silver. Foolishly, the king agreed, and it wasn't long before news of the Jews' coming destruction spread through all of Persia. The news was a shock to the Jewish people, and Mordecai immediately sent a message to Esther telling her what was going on and begging for her help. She said, you're the only one who can help your people. You must do this. And Esther responded, I can't. You know as well as I do, anybody that goes into the king unrecognized is dead meat. And Mordecai said to her, do you really think you will survive the massacre? Being queen isn't going to help you a bit when all the Jews are destroyed. You are the only hope your people have left. Perhaps it is for just such a time as this, God is calling you. Esther fasted and she prayed for three days, and she called upon all the Jewish people to join her in that fast and time of prayer. And then she decided to go into the king. Now, she made careful preparations to do so. She went on a day when she knew the king would be the most relaxed. She wore her best dress. She entered the room where the throne was very timidly. When she went in, the king looked up, and for a moment, Esther knew he was simply going to sentence her to die. But instead, he extended his scepter and recognized her. 
How can I help you, my queen? What is it you want? Your majesty, would you do me a great favor? Of course, of course, anything you want. Half my kingdom if you need it. Would you honor me, you and your advisor Haman, by coming to a banquet with me? Well, of course, of course. And for his part, Haman was delighted by the invitation because being invited to dine with the king and queen was a great honor. And so old Haman's arrogance just got dialed up another five or six notches, which meant that when he passed Mordecai on his way out the gate, he was angrier than ever because, again, Mordecai refused to bow down. And Haman went home and built a gallows in his front yard, determined to hang Mordecai the next day. That particular evening, King Ahasuerus had a hard time falling asleep. He tossed and he turned, he paced, and finally he decided he was going to read. So he called his chamberlain and said, bring me that book where all the good deeds of my people are written down. And the chamberlain brought the book, and as he's reading, King Ahasuerus notices this little uh, entry that talks about how Mordecai had saved him from an assassination plot. And he says to the chamberlain, how, how did I thank my subject Mordecai? Chamberlain said, you didn't. What? I didn't honor him? Well, that's not right. Who's up at this hour? Well, your advisor Haman's up. Send for him. Haman came quickly, and the king asked him, how would you honor a man who has done a great deed for the king? Well, you know what Haman thought about that. He was convinced that the king wanted to honor him. And so he said, well, I would dress him in the finest clothes, and I would put him on the finest horse, and I would parade him through the city. Well, that's a great idea. You do that for my subject, Mordecai. Haman was furious. Say, what? You want me to do what? But he had, he had enough sense to keep his anger to himself. So the next morning, he paraded Mordecai through the city, seething the whole time because he knew that effort to hang Mordecai that day would have to be Put aside. The only thing that made the day bearable was the thought that he would get to dine with the king and queen that evening. Esther prepared lavishly for that feast. Uh, there were the best linens on the table, the most delicious food. She was at her loveliest. She remembered to wear Ahasuerus' favorite perfume. She fed and pampered the king to the best of her ability. But she did not ask her request that night. She postponed it one more day, and instead she said, Your Majesty, would you and Haman come back and banquet with me tomorrow night? The preparations for the second banquet were equally lavish. And at that time, the king repeated his question. What is it 
that you want. Tell me, I'll give you half my kingdom if you want it. Esther took a deep breath and she said, Your Majesty, there is an evil man who seeks to kill me and all of my people. Spare my life and the lives of my people. That's my request. Who is this man? And King Ahasuerus looked as Esther pointed and said, It is your advisor, Haman. Well, the king was so angry, he stomped out of the room and out into the palace garden. And while he was gone, Haman ran to Esther to plead for mercy. When the king returned, it looked to him like Haman was assaulting Esther, so he immediately had Haman hanged on the very gallows Haman had built for Mordecai. As for that edict that the Jews be destroyed, by law that could not be changed. But the king wrote a second edict that gave the Jewish people the right to defend themselves from anyone who attacked them. On the day that Haman had set aside for the destruction of the Jews, there was fighting, but the Jews were victorious, and a great feast was held to celebrate the victory. And friends, to this day, the Jewish festival of Purim celebrates that great feast of Esther's courage. It's a great story. It's a great story of courage. But friends, it's also a really quirky, strange story. Now, I, I promise you that our children are getting the G-rated version of the story this week, but if you all read your scriptures carefully, you will see that this is a story that deserves an R rating. It is strange and quirky enough that some people have wondered how it got into the Bible. I mean, it's a story in which God's name is mentioned rarely, a story in which Esther withholds the fact that she is one of God's chosen people until near the end of the story. It's a book that's filled with drinking and carousing and seductive behavior and violence. So... How did it make it into the Bible? It made it because of that timeless and significant faith challenge Mordecai issues to Esther. Perhaps it is for just such a time as this that you were called. Esther's time was a time of slavery. The Jewish people were in Persia as a captive people. As a woman, Esther had no rights and very little else to use to save her people other than her natural endowments. She used what she had to do what she could for her people. Was she seductive? Absolutely. 
But friends, that is the only asset that world valued in women. So Esther used it shrewdly and bravely to give life to her people. The book of Esther is in the Bible as a challenge for us to do what we have the power to do with whatever assets we have been given to bring life to God's people. Each one of us is unique. Your gifts are not my gifts. Your skills are not the skills of the person sitting next to you. We each have a unique set of friends and acquaintances who can be influenced by our faith. God needs all of us and all the gifts we have been given in order for the church to do the work it is called to do for the sake of Jesus Christ. Friends, the time will come, if it hasn't already, when Mordecai is going to appear on your doorstep challenging you to do something significant for God. Now granted, old Uncle Mordecai takes many forms, but the challenge he offers is always the same. Perhaps it is for just such a time as this that God is calling you. And friends, when that challenge comes, your skills will not be equal to the task. They will not be enough. But God is always enough. When Mordecai offers his challenge, it will not fit with any plans you have made. So your plans will need to be set aside. When that challenge comes, it will always be risky, which is why the Spirit is generous with the gift of courage. And when Mordecai's challenge comes, you will always feel as if you cannot do it. But if you are faithful, you will always feel that you must do it. Friends, in this time as in all times, God makes divine love concrete through the actions of folks just like us. So, when Mordecai comes knocking on your door, trust the Spirit and say yes. When Mordecai is there, right at your doorstep, trust the Spirit and say yes, because you never know who God might be saving through your faith and the Spirit's gift of courage. Amen.